This is Emily, a.k.a. Miracle Mama, and you are listening to Baked and Awake. Yo, is this thing on? Alright, we're getting close now. I think we had the power off on the... Like the built-in power to the microphone. And, um... When you don't hit that button, you get a really hollow sound quality out of the mixer setup. And I think I've heard that this improves even more if you get a dedicated microphone preamp uh, because supposedly the, you know, onboard power, though ostensibly as rated for the mics, isn't always up to snuff. Hmm. We'll see. Um, welcome, hello, I don't know, we'll see if this is gonna, if this take is gonna fly, uh, this is like take three on opening comments for episode 39 for the Baked and Awake podcast, uh, welcome back everybody, thank you for sitting down with me wherever you are, or letting, letting us babble along in the background while you're working hanging out with friends and family. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, I should uh, first off thank my cousin and friend Emily there for her uh, little radio opening, sort of the uh, old call-in style uh, like my friend Paulu did for me last week. So uh, I I just enjoyed it so much I asked Emily, who also gave us a question this week, to talk about if she wanted to record one of those for us. So... Thanks for that. Um, But yeah, uh, speaking of friends and family, if you are listening, you know, around your family and you have younger folks in the house, uh, this is a podcast about cannabis use and consumption. And we do that during the course of the show, uh, quite often, as a matter of fact. So, uh, you know, I urge you to keep that in mind. It's something that is... um, you know, important to approach and uh, relate to in your own way, and I hope to help contribute positively to everybody's ability to do that, and for all of us to process how we do that, especially as responsible family members, adult family members of, you know, brothers and sisters who um, may be raising young families, as parents of young families ourselves in many instances. Uh, that's a big part of the space we explore in general here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's something to keep in mind if you got, you know, a 10-year-old sitting right next to you. Maybe listen to this podcast after, you know, you've got a little time to yourself out in the shop later. Um, you know, up in your, up in your den, in your chill-out zone. Uh, all right, yeah, that's the... That's the adult use warning disclaimer jam, right? Let's call that that. Um, and we got like a... Yeah, it's the Hawaii special. We're out on the beach right now. Thank you, Auntie. I love it. Um, looking forward to my family. Speaking of families, getting back from uh, Phoenix this week. And uh, or Mesa, somewhere down there. Uh, 
I think it's Mesa, actually. It was just, just south of Phoenix and right next to it, um, Arizona, uh, for spring break. Uh, Nicole took the boys down to visit Grandma and Grandpa down there and uh, had a great time. But uh, the older son started the trip sick, and the younger son is ending the trip sick with uh, you know what was a pretty rough, uh, kind of fluey sort of cold that uh, Kenny had when he left. So... Uh, uh, and little buddy Royce is coming home with it, so he picked it up from his brother, of course, inevitably. Um, but they made the most of it. I made the most of a week of vegging out by myself and not doing 50 projects that I probably should have uh, while I had the chance and recording 10 episodes ahead of time while I had, you know, the house to myself and all those things. Um, walked the dogs a couple times, so that was good. And uh, those of you who are following me on Instagram know that you know, I had some fun with motorcycles last weekend, so, but we won't get into that stuff right now. Um, all right, what do I got? I probably got some show notes around here. I bet I do. You know I do. All right, so, yeah, we did our pot use warning, and I want to mention that the pot we're using today uh, is our strain of the week. Um, and I'm happy to say I'm dabbing this morning. I'm enjoying that right now. I've been on flower for weeks on end, um, and haven't had a lot of wax around, uh, of any kind, uh, any concentrates of any kind, but, um, I picked up some Platinum Delight, uh, the Platinum Delight strain from Kush Valley, uh, and it, this was in a, like a wax consistency. It's a Nug Run, uh, gram, and, um, really nice stuff, really nice stuff. Got it at Star International in Burien. Uh, it was super cheap. I think it was like, it was either 35 or 30 bucks a gram. It was pretty inexpensive for Nug Run. You know, it's got, it's got Terp information on here. It's got, uh, 4.19, almost 4.20 Terps, uh, uh, and a nice little Terp profile that they detail for you on the side of here, um, on the packaging really clearly and, and nicely. Um, dug that big time and you know pretty potent um it's uh tipping the scales at like you know 79 percent uh delta 9 um and uh thca um and then uh yeah it's like uh yeah you know it's got uh, no fractional cbd i was i was excited for a second i thought i was seeing a little bit you know it's like uh less than a tenth of a percent. We'll be talking about CBD just a little bit later here. Uh, but yeah, um, what's my impression of it? I've been enjoying it. I'm gonna I'm gonna sample it with the nectar collector while we're talking about it. It's quieter than the than the dab rig for you guys. So um, let's remind ourselves while we talk about it. So things I like about it, you uh, you know, opened days ago, but it's still shiny and pretty on the outside. It's got a nice, attractive, like um, lighter honey color, um, maybe like a like a clover honey, not your blackberry honey, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and uh, color wise, you know, and uh, flavor wise, you have like a for me, it's a noted like a citrusy top note um and the the limonene on the terp profile on the side here is 0.73 percent and that's 
behind uh, Carophylline and uh, Linalool, both of which lead it at... Um, Carophylline is the leading uh, terp at 1.31%, um, and then Linalool at 1.05% are both ahead of Limonene. Uh, but the Limonene is coming through clearly for me. I think the Carophylline and the Linalool are a little bit more subtle. Um, they might contribute to the fullness in your mouth that uh, feeling that that the sort of lemony, if I dare say it, um, top note sort of gives way to. So um, anyway, you know, when you pick at it with your dabber to get ready to do a legit dab on your dab rig, it's, you know, the shiny surface breaks, um, you know, open to sort of reveal like a biscuit batter uh, almost crumble inside. Um, so it's, it's nice stuff. Um, and, you know, it's still smelly and tasty several days after I first opened it. I moved it from their excellent packaging. They had it in a glass, little glass uh, jar with a little hard silicone lid. Um, it's my second favorite lid after the soft silicone lid on top of the glass jar. Um, I do like the glass jar because you can, in certain cases, get that last little bit out um, almost better than anything else in the glass. Um, you know, nobody likes scraping plastic um, or trying to chase it around on a little cruddy uh, piece of cellophane or anything like that um, but I moved it into a little full silicone stash because then it's just that much easier to keep it in your pocket but great stuff it's it's lasting um, you know days and days on end which is just what I like I mean I try to sip it I don't go you know I don't do big globby dabs um, and uh, yeah little to no cough reflex I've noticed throughout the week of uh, puffing on it so I like that um, that's been consistent to my dabs with that. But, you know, low temp dabs will always give you a leg up on managing that, too. So keep that in mind like we always talk about, right? Um, all right. So let's see here. That's our that's our info. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was going to tell you about the strain, Platinum Delight. So you want the details on Platinum Delight? Probably, right? So one of the things I found interesting when looking up Platinum Delight um, I, I thought to myself, what do I know already about platinum anything? I'm imagining this is a platinum Girl Scout cookie, um, you know, derived strain. And I don't know where the delight comes from. So I found two predominant descriptions of this strain online when I looked it up. And as is so often the case, and it immediately gave me a chuckle, um, it was sold you know, uh, to me as a hybrid, but I think both of us, uh, myself and, uh, my friend, the bud tender, uh, Gail there at the shop, uh, believed, you know, indica leaning hybrid. Okay. Um, and I'm generally an indica guy. So, you know, we'll rock it either way. Let's see what's up. Um, you get home, you dab it a bit, and in my case, as I've described before, one of the dead giveaways for me that something has a strong sativa component is it'll elevate my heart rate more markedly than an indica will. I believe both indica and sativa strains have a, a slight effect on your heart rate and metabolism, but uh, sativa, I think more dramatically for me personally, uh, hits me. It gets the heart going, it gets the blood pumping. And at times that can elevate to an iffy, you know, more, you know, verging on that paranoid kind of twitchy feeling. 
for that reason, I'll usually, you know, really approach those strains that hit me that way uh, more, you know, lightly. I'll just go, you know, I'll pull pull back on the throttle on those just a little bit, right? <clears throat> so that's how this one hit me. I sort of got home and, and was like, huh, what's up with that? That's not, you know... I didn't think about it too much because I haven't been hitting it super hard, so it just feels generally really good and balanced when you hit it lightly and and let it, you know, do its thing. Um, I think if I were to, you know, sit down and and really try to power through, you know, half of this gram or a quarter of this gram and a couple of big dabs, uh, you know, I'd probably be wanting to go out on a major bike ride or something, bicycle or you know, hike up a mountainside or something because I'm not going to be too much fun in the in the living room at that point. Probably be yelling at the TV or something. So <clears throat> that's how it affected me. Let's read the descriptions, okay? Um, I liked what Cush Valley did with their wax here. I, I've been enjoying it, and I'll, it looks like I'll be able to enjoy it for through the whole weekend and into the early part of the week before I'll need to worry about getting another selection. So, uh, but... I found two descriptions of Platinum Delight. Let's read the first one. Both of these descriptions actually name the strain Platinum Delights with an S. Okay. Um, this first one comes from a new source that I haven't seen before. It's called 42101.com. It's rated five stars, average by zero reviews. <laughs> so this is their description of this. Um... Their write-up is the genetics are Platinum Girl Scout cookies crossed with blue power. They believe the genotype is 60% sativa, 40% indica. They characterize that as the genotype. Okay. Um, This has been looked at like 6,500 times, so we'll see. Platinum Delights is a colorful and flavorful hybrid variety that leans slightly towards the sativa side and was brought forth by the American-based Sin Seed Company. This well-rounded sativa-dominant hybrid, hybrid blah, 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 is a combination of the West Coast bred Platinum Girl Scout cookies and their very own superstar, Blue Power. Which, I guess, if I was smart, I should look up Blue Power. It's probably a Blue Dream derivative of some kind. She most commonly produces medium-sized plants that grow very vigorously and explode, full of large, plump, and rather pungent flowers that are ripe and ready for harvest in only eight to nine weeks indoors and by the beginning of October outdoors. Her well-above-average-sized yields of beautiful buds will most likely need a bit of support throughout the later half of the flowering cycle as their excessive weight will blah, 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 if you're, you know, growing this stuff. So let's um, read the next description, which is, I believe, so this is from the original seedstore.com. They also understand that it comes from Sin City Seeds, okay? Um, And they put that right there at the top, Seed Bank. Platinum Delight. So they call it Platinum Delights up top in bold and large font. And then down below in the body of this description, they, re- they refer to it as Platinum Delight. So here we go. So with a single delight. Uh, 
Platinum Delight by Sin City Seeds is a fruity hybrid that has totally unique flavor and taste. Bred from Platinum Girl Scout Cookies, Cup Winning Pedigree, and Blue Power, a signature Kush. This hybrid offers something completely different to what is currently on the market. Although they're relatively new breeder, Sin City Seeds have been consistently wowing people with their offerings, and Platinum Delight is another excellent strain in their collection. Okay, so... You know, that was a little bit... In, I'm skipping a little bit of info again on, on growing. Not that I want to, you know, totally discount that, but the links will be in the show notes, guys. You can read that part if you're if you're that um, into that stuff. Uh, smokers will love the taste of Platinum Delight. I agree. It's clean and fruity. Tend to... Yeah, tend to agree. Hint of berries and grape, maybe. Although this is an Indica Sativa hybrid, the high does seem to possess more Indica qualities. It won't couch lock you like some strains, but it's definitely a creeper. The original seed store also recommends stocking up your fridge before rolling a joint pat platinum delight. It's platinum Girl Scout cookie heritage is to blame. All right, so, um, and that product, this is like some seed store. It's out of stock there on the seed store. Sorry, you guys. But, um, so I, I love it. You know, I, I so often see this that you ask one person, you get told one thing. You ask another person, you get told another thing. You ask uh, the internet and you find articles and stories talking about how the whole Indica versus Sativa argument needs to be rethought and rewritten and relabeled. Uh, and, you know, a new strain be uh, referred to and understood by, you know, new names. Uh, so it's, yeah. It's wild. Um, two cool descriptions. Uh, I think what we're seeing here is the simple variety of expression that can be seen with the plant. Uh, both phenotypes probably exist. Uh, one leaning, you know, more indica, one leaning more sativa. Every time you, you know, try to rebreed this and pop a seed, it'll probably change. Uh, clones, you know, run a little bit truer for a little longer, but I've heard tell of, you know, clones, you know, growing differently uh, after taking root and, and taking off on their own. Maybe on round two, round three, who knows? Um, somewhere down, you know, after that initial round from the first mother. So... Yeah, I was thinking about maybe if it was clones off of a mother that was itself a clone of the original mother. You follow. So. All right. Platinum Delight. Good times. Let's look and make sure our machine hasn't crash oled Looks good back here, Audacity. How you doing? All right. Maintain. Yeah, really still working on the trust because Audacity sort of crashed earlier, but it did automatically recover the early version of the episode, so that was good. Um, but yeah, I am going to do a pause, and I'm going to save this project so because that's a good idea, and I don't have to tell you guys about that, but that's just like secret backstage info for you. I'm going to pause this and save the project, and then we're going to come back and get into uh, a couple other topics uh, but 
we'll see what those are. All right. When I get right back to you. Uh, you know what to do. Re-up. Recharge. Roll up. Brew some tea. Grab some cookies. Get yourself a little snack. Get ready to session. A little bit more. Hey, you. What are you doing? Ah, get your hand out of there. What would your grandmother up in heaven think, for Christ's sakes? You should be giving your full attention to my good friend's amazing podcast that you're listening to, not using it as background noise for your self-fulfilling depravity. Listen, if you're craving something disturbing, check out On the Edge with Mike Peacock. That's me. It's your one-stop shop featuring rants against humanity, societal dumbassery, random awesomeness, brutal truths, and badass guests. So if you want to hear someone rant about the stupid shit that people do and share awesome talent with the world, then join me on The Edge. You can find my dirty little podcast on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and all those newfangled podcatcher-type things. And if you really want to punish yourself, you can stalk me on all those crazy social media sites like The Book of Faces, that Tweety Twatty place, and Instagrams. Search all of them for at On The Edge Podcast. So when you're done defiling yourself and listening to my friend's podcast, hop on over to The Edge and get ready for awesomeness. Now clean up your mess, you perv. Hey, Steve, this is Emily. I'm wondering if you could cover raising kids around cannabis on your show. Um, I'm wondering how other parents who use are navigating this new legalized world. So I'd love to hear you weigh in on that. That'd be awesome. Thanks a bunch. All right, welcome back. Emily, what a great question. Thank you for recording that question for us, you know, so we could hear you ask it in your own voice. Uh, really appreciative of our interactions on this topic and others around the show always. So, and that goes for all of you who reach out. Uh, you know, this question, the question of raising cannabis, uh, raising cannabis around kids, raising kids around cannabis... <laughs> Uh, I guess that Platinum Delight's doing its thing. Uh, I will say, by the way, that that initial sativa high gives way to a mellow, lasting, uh, more mellow uh, high characteristic. And we're going to session here together in just a second, too. A little bit more of that, as a matter of fact. But, uh, you know, I have a young family as well. And... uh, Emily shared with me, and I don't think it'll be, uh, you know, talking out of school to relate back to you that, you know, Emily's the mother of a young family of 
uh, three, including a, a young special needs child, and um, beautiful family, and great kids. And uh, one of her older children is about 12 years old, 13 years old, right in there, and is getting some of the uh, sort of drug education curriculum at school. Uh, their family is in Idaho, so they're not in a state that has a full legal program in place yet. I believe they have medical in Idaho. Um, so there are some auspices under which an adult, uh, you know, user, a parent can, you know, find themselves in this very position of, you know, wanting to be uh, open and transparent about their lifestyle and their, whether it's medical use or even in the cases of more casual consumption of cannabis, all of which we continuously, you know, point out on this show and everywhere in our, in our, you know, in my personal life, let's take it to me here, uh, you know, I'm continuously trying to point out to people that, you know, I place it in the same realm as your, you know, caffeine consumption and our sugar addiction and our alcohol use and uh, any of our, our tobacco, our relationship to tobacco, to any of these uh, little crutches that get us through life um, in all of their special ways. So, um, but it is a different conversation in their state and the way it's being taught and talked about in schools, the way cannabis in particular is still being taught and talked about in schools at the junior high and high school level is, is at least in uh, their case from what was, you know, shared with me, uh, you know, in many cases inaccurate, um, kind of the cliched demonizing depiction of cannabis and what it's about and what the dangers of it are, etc. And uh, what was interesting for her was this was very shortly after having shared with her older child that she was an occasional, uh, you know, partaker. <laughs> uh, so, you know, she shares with her eldest child that she uh, partakes Within weeks, the curriculum starts at school. Maybe she had the conversation getting ready for knowing that he was going to, you know, have some have some uh, coverage of this in school coming up. And, um, you know, I guess he came home a couple different times with, you know, just sort of spouting some some inaccurate facts, some some, you know, bad depictions of cannabis in general and sort of questioning and, and you know, almost disdaining, you know, what his mom had shared with him. So, um, what a tough, you know, conversation to have. And, you know, without obviously being adversarial towards the child's educators in the first place, who let's assume they have nothing but the best of intentions, uh, towards the kids and their safety and, uh, quality education, you know, let's, you know, keep it at that level. Uh, I'm fortunate my boys are younger. I'm also fortunate we're in a legal state. Um, we're in a state that's been legal since just about when Kenny was old enough to talk. And, you know, so therefore these boys will grow up, you know, barring any unforeseen total reversals of Washington's position on this, Washington State's, you know, $1 billion 
plus a year uh, brand new industry, that being the recreational cannabis industry, you know, unless that changes and totally gets shut down, these boys will grow up in a world where, around here anyway, they won't have ever known it to be any different than, um, you know, one of the, just one of the most accepted things that, you know, adults get to do. Um, it's been formally given the blessing of society, uh, thankfully, around here anyway. Um, and largely, you know, I try to live my life every day personally that way, uh, you know, career choices notwithstanding and podcast subject matter and focus notwithstanding without being ham-fisted about it or a, um, you know, in-your-face activist about it everywhere I go and in every uh, social interaction that I have, um, you know, just like any true believer in any faith, I will not deny my cannabis use or lifestyle uh, uh, under most circumstances for most people. Um, and that is with some exceptions, and I don't know what those exceptions might be right now offhand, off the top of my head. Certain, you know, I don't know, conversations at weddings and funerals with grannies and things like that who really have no interest in the true answer, if even if they are asking, uh, or if, if it comes up in front of them, I should say, because I imagine if someone is asking you directly, then they probably do want to know. And that person, in that instance there again, would deserve to know, probably, uh, if they were direct enough to address it in such a fashion. So, yeah, um, I did look up a couple of articles uh, that I thought we would read together that also talk about other folks and their experiences with this. Um, to be, uh, before I jump into the stories and to, you know, close on on my comments about this you know i'm lucky right now also i've had you know the the house to myself for the past week the family's down in phoenix i'm here on pet and garden duty and keeping the house from burning down duty and that's absolutely fine i needed to work anyway um but uh it's hard to it's hard to um you know get a house sitter who can keep up with bunnies and and chickens and um a greenhouse and you know and the, and the dogs and the kitty. I mean, it's a it's a list around here, you know. You want to volunteer for that job, let me know, because we could go out of town anytime. We need basically a farmer to come by for <laughs> any time that we're gone. Uh, but I was going to say, you know, both of my boys have seen me put pot to my lips. Uh, I always try to maintain decorum without shaming myself and going and hiding in a woodshed. Um, I will almost always, uh, you know, go to the other side of the property, go upstairs, uh, you know, into my, I have a room up here where we record, where I hang out. I have a, a door that I can close. I don't always close that door. Both boys can climb the stairs. They come to the top of the stairs. They know not to just come rushing in the room. They know I'm up here smoking most of the time. They usually call out to me all the way up the stairs, if not at the top of the stairs, to make sure that, you know, it's not a smoke bomb in here. But there again, things I do to mitigate. Indoors, as much of the time as possible, I do use concentrates. Dabbing, as we'll see, it's referred to in a couple of these uh, stories and anecdotes from folks, is a great tactical way to not smell like weed and not take a long time to go up and roll a big doobie and smoke that thing. Um, 
and an adult can really precisely monitor or rather administer their dosages using concentrates in that way. Uh, so they're very friendly uh, for an adult who's balancing time and then spending time, you know, time for themselves and then spending time with their family um, and, and or incorporating a little bit of cannabis into their daily life and in a low profile fashion. Um, so, you know, these are things you do, but, you know, things that I try to do is not overly, uh, you know, weird them out about seeing me uh, consume it. If they happen to see me casually consume it um, for a second here and there, you know, well, it's, it's, it's a mix of the, one of the funniest comments and one of the most worrisome comments I've heard yet uh, from the two-year-old from Royce was that it not fair that he can't smoke too. <laughs> And, you know, sorry, little buddy, it's not fair. You're right, but you can't smoke, too. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's let, you know, some of these articles and some of these other folks uh, add their voices to the conversation about, you know, how, how it goes for them. Uh, the first story that I've got comes from, uh, like, the U.S. version of The Guardian. So... And I like this one. This was a good one. Um, this is sort of just like a little round table. Pot smoking parents explain the rules of getting high at home around the kids. And this is a couple years old. You'll see a couple of these articles here a couple years old today. And I love this because this, this conversation doesn't really change that much other than in the light of how the society around us also perceives things. Because in our homes, we're, you know, advocates uh, and hopefully educating our kids as they grow to not fear it and to not let others demonize it to them um, and, you know, to respect it, of course, obviously, always. So they say here, pot-smoking parents explain the rules of getting high at home around the kids. Ruth Spencer and Nadia Popovich wrote this back in April of 2014. With marijuana more socially acceptable than ever, mothers and fathers explain the ins and outs of toking up with children nearby. Smoking pot is becoming less and less taboo in America, as states legalize marijuana one by one. But what about smoking pot once you have kids? Whether using marijuana has a positive effect or negative effect on parenting has been a source of much debate this year. So, to mark 420, the so-called holy day of pot, we asked parents to tell us about how they handle marijuana in the home. Nearly 200 people responded and shared their thoughts about whether weed can make you a better parent, when and where it's okay to partake, and how they talk about drugs with their kids. So, this first heading is Where and When to Smoke. A little picture of a guy standing outside in the sunset taking a puff with the caption, I only smoke outside. A popular recommendation. Uh, I usually smoke after they've gone to bed. These are all quotes from different parents now. Weed is my private time in the last few hours of the day. I wouldn't smoke in front of my kids at this point. I'm not sure it would instill confidence and consistency in them. And that's my job being a parent. I light up a spliff when they have gone to bed 
and I'm outside with my husband. I don't get totally blitzed out of my mind. If parents can sit about and have a moderate drink of wine or beer around their kids, then smoking a joint shouldn't be classed as anything different. Um, the first one was Buddy from Los Angeles, California. That was from Mary in London from the UK. Next, I go out into the garage when everyone else is drinking beers or wine or cocktails. One must always keep in mind there is a time and a place for things. That is the real issue. If it is not a time to drink, it is not a time to smoke. That keeps things pretty even. Rob, who gave his age as 59, is from Gig Harbor, Washington, USA. Shout out, Rob. Uh, I like that. If it's not a time to drink, it is not a time to smoke. I don't know, you know, gosh, I smoke a number of times when I wouldn't have a drink, so we differ a little bit there, you know. Um, I mean, I place that distinction on those two a little bit, but that's personal, right? Personal. I like it. I like it, Rob. It's good. Next up, I do not smoke near my daughter. I smoke in a room at the top of the house well away from her. It allows me to be more patient and less irritable. Smoking cannabis during the day makes me less active, and I don't play as much as I normally would. So I like to keep it to a night thing. Tannis from Halifax. I believe that's Nova Scotia, Canada. Yes, I smoke weed. Yes, I have two awesome sons that are eight and four. I smoke around them occasionally. Most of the time I go outside or in another room. I feel that smoking pot makes me a better person in general, not just a better parent. Anonymous. Never in the house. Only ever in the back garden. Never when in-laws are over, as I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Anonymous. I smoke marijuana on a semi-regular, nightly basis after I put my son to bed. My husband will usually crack open a couple beers, but I prefer marijuana to help me unwind. Marijuana, as I've used it, has helped me to deal with my anxiety. And it has also helped shape my overall outlook on life. My thought processes are more forward-leaning, positive, and optimistic when I smoke cannabis on a semi-regular basis. That from an anonymous 31-year-old from Maine, on the East Coast. On telling the kids or not. Let me see next here. He never sees us or our friends smoking. We have a signal for when one of us would like to smoke, so the other can make sure he's taken care of or put to bed before joining in. Elizabeth from New York City. My little one is still too young to have full-on conversations with, but I'm not going to encourage cannabis use when we do talk about it. I'm simply going to educate her with real facts as she grows up. Same way we all educate our children about things such as alcohol, coffee, too many prunes, and bathroom cleaner. Thank you, anonymous 30-year-old from Southampton, UK. We never, ever would allow our kid, age 12 and a half, to know we occasionally partake. Wow, I don't know how, I, I bet that kid knows. I'm sorry, you guys. 
It's not impossible that once he's quite a lot older, 18, question mark, we might be a little less shy about it, but it seems unlikely to me at this point. We have, once or twice, eaten a cookie or something when out at a music festival or lounging by the pool in a hotel where he's with us, but we would never get, quote, totally baked. I'm a control freak, so I'd never be comfortable being really stoned and unable to cope with what might come up when he's around. Max from Los Angeles, California, 51 years of age, so uh, pretty good. Keeping that shit locked down, Max. Uh, I don't smoke weed around my kids. Didn't smoke weed around my kids when they were younger, not because I was ashamed of my drug use, but because it is illegal, and I didn't want to encourage them to break the law. Now that they're grown up and have discovered weed on their own, I smoke with them. Steve, 40 years old, Aberdeen, Scotland. Um, that, I think, would have greatly you know, affected how I would have raised the boys. Uh, we talked about that quite a bit before we had kids. Uh, I mean, not quite a bit, but we talked about it a bit before we had kids. And at the end of the day, you know, while it's illegal, there's a lot more, a lot more to really keep in mind in terms of the decorum and, and, and using around your kids, in my opinion. Um, so let's see, uh, next, how weed makes them better parents. I like this. There's a little image with the, you know, like a parent walking a child hand in hand kind of a, uh, like a safety warning sign in Europe like that there's probably pedestrians around and the caption under it says smoking pot doesn't make you a lesser parent choosing to be a lesser parent makes you that way alright so it says here our next testimonial I feel weed makes me a better calmer more interactive parent ask my daughter more questions have the patience to sit and teach her new things go on long exploratory walks and spend longer playing with her than I would if I hadn't been smoking I feel it's really brought us closer Lucy 25 Portsmouth UK I find it helps me relate to my daughter on her level I'm more playful and silly and I really enjoy playing dolls or crazy dancing, or pretend scenarios, or exploring in the woods. Agree wholeheartedly on these last two, by the way. I mean, our, our imagination just kind of, it runs from us in our adulthood, you guys. We're, we're under this onslaught of bullshit that, you know, just makes us tired and sad and stressed. And then, you know, in the case of parents, usually all three all at once. Um, yeah. Anyway. Getting back to this person's testimonial here. It also slows me down and removes the constant goal-reaching aspect of sober adulthood. There we go. I don't rush her around or constantly direct her, and instead I ease back and let her run the show. Sean, 30, Springfield, Massachusetts. Being around my kids is wonderful. I have two kids. One is four years old, and another who is nine months old. I can be a tough parent with the eldest if he doesn't listen to me. I get frustrated with him over small things. But when I'm stoned, I tend to let the smaller things slide and punish the important stuff. A more tactical parent. 
Not only that, but I can get on their level more, appreciate their wonder at interesting things, and play with them for hours. Are we picking up a theme here, you guys? It allows me to shrug off the workday stress and transform back into fun, silly daddy. Rather than the snappy daddy who just needs to be left alone for a while after work. Dan, Lemington, UK. I regret not smoking more when my daughter was little. Not every day, obviously, but at weekends. Whenever I did smoke, I was much more aware of what she was saying to me and much better able to go with the flow of the games we played. Marijuana seems to me to be a total interest drug, which locates you in the here and now. I'm a relaxed person anyway, but there's always an element of impatience and self-preoccupation about unstoned people, I find. Paul Aberdeen, Scotland. I have chronic anxiety problems, and smoking marijuana really helps me to keep it under control. I'm therefore able to be a fun, laid-back mother. My son adores me, and we laugh all day long. Matahina, 27, from London, UK. Just a couple last ones here. I rarely smoke when my son is awake. It's always after he's gone to sleep. I would never smoke marijuana in front of him, and I hide my supplies out of his reach. On the rare occasions when I do smoke during the daytime, it is always minute amounts, and only when we do not have plans to drive anywhere, as I would never drive impaired. You know, another big theme that's it's much more quietly stated here throughout, but it's in almost every one of these quotes in some way, shape, or form, is pot smokers are considerate as hell of other people. We do think of other people. And in contrast to most other drugs, and with uh, tobacco and alcohol being absolutely no exception to that, uh, I think cannabis users will moderate their use or curtail their use entirely in a number of social circumstances where other uh, common drugs may indeed be being uh, consumed out of a consideration for others. So that's my opinion. Uh, all right. <clears throat> I don't see anyone worried about drinking alcohol around their kids, and it's a much more dangerous and harmful drug. It has always been my opinion that marijuana has made me a better parent. It helps me shed all my frustrations and worries about what I have to do all day to earn a living, and my worries about the state of the country we live in. It helps me be myself around my kids. It helps me relate to them on their level. My son is grown now, and smoking a little pot together is and always will be a part of our relationship. Frank, 58, from Asheville, North Carolina. And that great quote that was a caption up above there, smoking pot doesn't make you a lesser parent. Choosing to be a lesser parent makes you that way. That came from Jessica from Spokane, Washington, here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Thank you, Jessica. So that was, you know, that was a whole bunch of really great testimonials 
and people showing their different approaches to this relationship, their relationship with the plant and their family's relationship to it together. Uh, I love it. I think it was a great piece. I think it was really uh, great to just let those folks talk about it themselves. There wasn't a bunch of rhetoric uh, put on top of this by The Guardian either. Uh, so I appreciated that one. Um, I had plans to read a second uh, story on the parenting uh, from the New York Times, and it is a great story. I'm going to leave it in the show notes for you guys, and you can read it yourselves. Um, I don't, you know, I think we spent enough time on this one for for today. Um, yeah, sorry, I aborted the song there really quick and moved it forward. Uh, I, I, I love the topic. Uh, it's obviously one that's going to affect me and that I'm going to be dealing with for years to come. Um, if you have comments for us, thoughts, um, you know, there's numerous places and ways to comment on the podcast. If you listen via YouTube, there's the comment function right under there that you can drop comments in. And then I'm always delighted to see uh, the comments from my, uh, you know, small but loyal fan base over there. Uh, you can email me at talk to us at bakedinawake.com anytime. You can message me directly on Instagram. You can find me at, at bakedinawake. So, uh, the last thing I want to talk about that I believe is in our notes for this episode is some follow up commentary uh, on sort of the. A topic that I was talking about just in the last couple of weeks, that whole CBD, uh, you know, non-I-502, non-recreational cannabis, um, industrial hemp-derived CBD uh, that may be coming into our legal market here in Washington and most of the others around the country with the ratification of the Farm Bill. And, you know, sort of uh, some something that has come to my attention and understanding that sort of in my mind impacts the scope of the potential impact like to legal markets um in fact i think it's pretty big um i had already commented that i believed it was you know going to be uh, a strong strong influence on the market to be able to purchase industrial hemp derived cbd at the concentration levels that are being allowed into the into the market um at prices that are way, way, way like orders of magnitude lower than anything that's currently uh, able to be uh, arrived at for your source material through the traditional um, cannabis-derived processes that would, you know, pull, whether it's CBD or any concentrate, uh, concentrated cannabinoid out of the, out of the uh, plant. So, but, you know, confining this conversation to CBD, um, I was already saying, hey, you know, you can if you're a processor here in Washington, uh, under something like this, you can procure, you know, industrial hemp from a Washington state source. You don't even have to go out of the state and, and look at, you know, trafficking, you know, of anything, uh, you know, schedule one or schedule otherwise across state lines. Uh, we have a, a, a industrial hemp program in Washington state. It's not enormous, but it'll no doubt be continuing to grow, uh, in the coming years. Uh, and, 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 and source material that, can provide you CBD that you can then iterate, you can process further and add to your existing product line with 
you know, you can make your stuff more potent and spend less money doing that. Um, just with just sticking with CBD and CBD applications. But in the last week, I had a visit from a colleague in the industry, um, and they the this gentleman uh, Nate is. Uh, you know, he's a license holder and, and has a lab. They make uh, hydrocarbon concentrates. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking about the this whole farm bill CBD thing. And uh, he made me aware of a process whereby CBD cannabidiol can be converted reliably, completely reliably, um, to C- THC. Uh, so... My jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe this. I've never heard of this before. Never heard of this. Um, he's like, no, it's he's like, it's not, it's not new per se. This is, you know, it's a it's a thing. They, you know, a lost art, let's say, if anything, or something that's been kind of, you know. So the, one of the reasons why a lot of our strong THC cannabis has such low CBD. Uh, amounts in the phenotypes that are so popular today is that CBD directly competes with THC for our for our endocannabinoid systems receptors. So when you have a high CBD component in your cannabis flower or your concentrates, it will tend to dull, deaden, decrease the psychoactive uh, effects of the cannabis. Okay, so the modern users of cannabis that have a appreciation for the uh, balanced, you know, effect that is delivered when we have the full complement of cannabinoids and terpenes, and whether it's the raw flower or the concentrates that you're consuming, um, and these this this sort of best practices and and you know guide posts for the experience can be adhered to all the way through the process, even into edibles, um, is is one where you know. We know that, well, you may trade off a little bit of that high, but the CBD has some other distinct benefits of its own. And those, in fact, are enhanced when THC is also present in the uh, in the mix. So at any rate, uh, that's neither here nor there. The point is, is um, I found two cool, I found, a, I found a source that I want to read you uh, the intro from, and this is a book from 1973 on this. So, so I talked to my friend Nate about this. He tells me, yeah, we're, we're looking into this. You know, we, if we can source CBD through the means like I just described and then apply our science to this, and, and he's with a leading group in the state right now, and... Um, you know, I hope to invite him back and on the show and tell you all about who he's with and let him plug his brand and tell their story um, in, in full. Uh, but I was super appreciative of his uh, just education on this, both on the day of when we had our visit and then I checked with him uh, before uh, hitting the button on record on this story uh, to make sure that he wasn't concerned, you know, about somebody just deciding tomorrow because they listen to my podcast that they want to dedicate their whole license to doing CBD to THC conversion, you know, and he sort of laughed it off. He's like, you know, this is, this info is out there. It's been out there. Uh, you know, if we know of other people who are working on it, um, you know, he said he'd love to hear from them and how it's going, you know, uh, which I thought was the exact awesomest, best sort of outlook on, you know, 
hey man, I want to discuss this stuff that you just told me about that I never heard about before, but you know, I know you're working on this for your business model, you know. Um, so yeah, you can convert CBD to THC, you guys, and at like ridiculous concentrations. Um, apparently these methods, you know, yield really high yields and really high potencies. So, um, I want to tell you about it and I'm going to tell you about it. Let me close those, uh, now unnecessary tabs and we'll stick with where we're at here. So I found this book. It's from 1973. This was one of the first uh, things that I saw referred to by a couple other links was this Cannabis Alchemy by somebody called David Hoy. Um, I'm going to read you this intro from that text. I found a link to the complete text of the book available in like a PDF type format. Um, so that link is in the show notes and you can literally read the whole book that way right there if you want to. Um, but this is this is his introduction text to Cannabis Alchemy. And this book largely addresses this, this matter, uh, this and some other concentrates techniques. Um, this book is being published in California in 1973. At this particular point in time, possession of cannabis products is illegal in the state of California, as well as many other places in the world. The author and publishers cannot advocate breaking the law and suggest strongly that before beginning, the alchemist carefully check the man-made laws which govern the part of the planet in which he intends to perform the operations described herein. Recent legislation by some of the more progressive legal bodies, medical findings proving that THC is not harmful, and the results of the California Marijuana Initiative, and many polls of public opinion, are showing the cannabis lovers of the world the light at the end of the tunnel manifesting in the complete decriminalization of cannabis. This guy was looking way ahead into the future. I love it. He continues, The cultivation of marijuana and the refinement of its preparations has concerned alchemists and hedonists on this planet for centuries. Cannabis sativa and cannabis indica are both powerful allies. The body of the plant itself serves as a link between the physical plane and a host of spirits of exceptional wisdom and subtlety. When the plant is ingested, these qualities manifest in the mind of the worshiper, unlocking the storehouse of wisdom within and revealing the hidden springs of pleasure. Smoking or eating the leaves of flowers is usually sufficient to bring about the desired state. Although it seems inherent in the nature of man, to search for more concentrated forms of the drug, which are stronger, more pleasant to ingest, or are more desirable in some other way. Thus it is that in every culture the technology of that period is applied to the work of the transmutation. As technology has evolved, so have the outward trappings of the operation. Even though the principles underlying the operation remain constant throughout time and cultural differences. In primitive situations, the refinement is carried on manually, the flowers being separated from the less psychoactive seeds, stems, and leaves. Resins are extracted by simply rubbing the plant with the hands and then scraping the resin from the hands with the fingers. 
Water extractions are accomplished by boiling the plant parts in water, letting the water evaporate in the sun, and then collecting the residue. In cultures advanced to the state of mechanical technology, devices are used to this end. This might involve sifting the dried resin through mesh cloth, or mechanically pressing the resin into slabs. In cultures where the ingestion of the plant is accepted and desirable, these techniques become the formula of power, and hash makers are revered as priests of the Holy Sacrament. In other situations, their work is misunderstood, and they are branded as criminals to be persecuted. Yet their work continues. Uh, I loved their intro, uh, his intro to this book. Uh, there's a full copy, like I said, of this book at archive.org. Um, and the table of contents that I was looking at uh, directly lists um, the conversion of cannabidiol, a non-psychoactive 16 compound in the oil, to tetrahydrocannabinol, resulting in greatly increased potency. Um, they have a number of other conversions, including uh, THC to THCA, uh, etc., detailed in this treatise from 1973. So what I guess I'm establishing there is that uh, this was pretty well understood uh, at that time and probably going back uh, quite a bit further than the time at which this book was published. So um, I absolutely love that and love learning something so uh, potentially uh, earth-shattering uh, about cannabis, you know, today at this, at this time. Um, I mean, just think about that. Think about that. You could potentially take that industrial hemp and as a processor legally upconvert that through these transmutation processes. It really is like alchemy. Uh, into a psychoactive THC-bearing concentrate that then can be sold on its own or incorporated into any other processed product that you're iterating for the market. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure my friend Nate felt the same way as I do, uh, you know, and with his group, and which is probably why they're just working as hard as they can on this, it's probably inevitable that many others are thinking along the exact same lines. There's a lot of people who know a lot more about this than I do and probably saw that, you know, coming as one of the first and biggest, uh, you know, impacts of uh, something like the Farm Bill and how that could really change uh, a lot of people's business models here in, in the legal markets. So... Um, could lead to a lot of wonderful products being iterated for you know end users. Um, I don't. I just don't even know. The it, the the scope is almost more than I can imagine. I did find a uh, really rad um, like U.S. patent on this too. Um, so we're just over an hour, and I'll just kind of tell you about the patent and point you at it, and then we'll wrap it up. I got to get ready to go to the airport, pick up the fam. I'm really happy. Going to go get them in just a few minutes. Probably won't publish until I get home a little later today. But um, so I found this uh, patent that was filed back in like 2001, I think. And you know, this is the cool thing about 
the internet, you guys. That's why it's so hard to get mad about everything net neutrality and well, it's easy to get mad about net neutrality. It's it's but it's it's you know as mad as we ever get about privacy, etc. The the access that we have to information is mind boggling. You know, I find out about something like this the other day and do you know an hour of web research on it less probably, and you know I'm looking at the full text of a book on on this subject, the full text of a patent that's, you know, a five-page patent application here that literally um, details in exacting detail their process for, you know, doing this, um, down to the solvents that they use, the catalysts that they use. Um, and uh, this uh, patent, which, as I said, I'll include the link to it uh, in the show notes for you, it was filed in 2001. Uh, the assignee is Full Spectrum Laboratories Limited, and uh, the inventor was G.R. Webster, Leonard Sarna, and Raphael McCullum as a team. Um, this is an active patent that was abandoned in 2008. So perhaps abandoned because it was understood to be, you know, not so much a exclusive patentable process anymore at that point or maybe because i mean they even point out in this process uh that you know uh let's see here uh do, 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 do. yeah so here's a great little they're like description of the preferred embodiments um you know cbd refers to this thca refers to that delta eight delta nine lewis acid there's their um one of their um solvents that they're using, uh, or excuse me, I believe that's the catalyst. It's a tolio-tulene sulfonic acid and boron trifluoride. But uh, more importantly, more interestingly, described herein are methods and protocols for converting cannabidiol, CBD, to delta-8 tetrahydrocannabinol or delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, as will be, and so then they say here, oh gosh, Why did I... I tried to highlight it accidentally. You know what I mean, you guys? That wasn't good. That wasn't good, you guys. I messed it up. I messed it up. As will appreciated by one knowledgeable in the art. And as discussed below, the reaction times may be varied somewhat, producing the product at different yields and purities. Furthermore, functional equivalents may be substituted where appropriate. So see where I'm going with that is like... They're exploiting in this patent an underlying understanding of the chemical you know, makeup of cannabis and how they can manipulate it with um, temperature and certain solvents and catalysts and pressure, uh, you know, the same way all the uh, concentrates labs folks who iterate products uh, with whether it's BHO or, um, you know, uh, PHO or entane or uh, um, um, ethanol alcohol, um, mineral spirits, concentrates, I mean, CO2, uh, we've got it all here in the market. Um, as the intro section to the book, Cannabis Alchemy, indicated, the principles go all the way back to manually sorting your cannabis apart from, you know, the flowers, apart from the stems and leaves. That's processing, okay? When you separate the seeds and stems and leaves away and just take the flower and, and only use that, you've processed it. When you, you know, clean your sticky fingers from that huge trim job and collect everything in the keef tray and collect everything uh, in the hash tray and roll up hash manually. That's processing. Um, 
these are the logical extension of processes once you have a society that has technology to further refine these processes. Um, it's wild. It's really cool stuff. The the um, patent is actually really well written in like pretty plain English for the most part, other than dropping a lot of chemical names on you. Um, and it's only like four pages total because the first page is like a little cover sheet to it. So uh, really easy one to do, you know, a quick perusal of if you want to get more of the nitty gritty on it. Uh, all right. Gosh. All right. We're over an hour. We had a great time. Uh, I took a couple extra days getting this one out, so thank you for your patience, uh, those few of you who might have been waiting for it. Um, but, uh, you know, just didn't want to uh, record just for the sake of recording uh, the last few days and didn't uh, like what I was planning on uh, working on. So uh, I probably, I said that last week too, so I need to maybe look at what my plans are for the next couple of weeks and make sure I'm happy about my upcoming episode plans. Um, but, yeah, get at me. Uh, weigh in on the, you know, parenting uh, as a stoner uh, for us. Uh, hit me up on the gram on that. It's a really great way to get a fast response from me. Um, that's it. Uh, we got 420 coming up in a few days. Yes, so let's look forward to that. I'm going to try to visit one or two local, like, industry-ish parties. Um, maybe ride bikes uh, between them, uh, hopefully weather permitting. Uh, and, uh, you know, cause there's a bunch of stuff going on with like different, you know, producers, processors and retailers around here in the, in the area. And I'm fortunate to have heard of one or two of them. So I'm going to try to, you know, make it out to something on 420 and then maybe we'll share how that went, you know, in the, in our very next episode. So, all right, everybody. Well, we're in the weekend now. So, um, I hope you're having a great weekend wherever you are, whatever you're up to. I hope that Whatever you're smoking on is treating you right. I hope that what you're smoking is indica. And I hope that when you're done smoking that indica, you get up and go do some shit anyway. All right. We'll see you again soon.